Hello, I'm Sarah Vine, and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Melt Plus in association with Boots. I'm joined this week and every week by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones, who is finally back from her endless holidays. My hot girl summer. Your hot girl summer. <laughs> yes. Came back just in time for Meghan Markle. Yes, I know. I I'm so glad her. I didn't miss that. Um, <laughs> what an interview. What an interview. What have you two? Some salt and pepper, oh, as we now call them. Dear goodness me. I've never heard what such is she self-serving doing? madness yes. in my life. No, apparently, you know, I mean, the, the funniest thing actually was the person who was supposed to have told her that... Well, they danced in the streets they of Cape Town. <laughs> when she married. When she married. <laughs> saying that he'd never met her and didn't really know who she was, but thought that it was probably quite significant in her life. Yes, yes. She's very important in her own life, yes. I think is what she said. Well, anyway, but they're, they're, she's obviously on a sort of media offensive, but it doesn't seem to be going very well because actually even the Americans seem to think that now she's being a bit of an Well, arse. that front page of the New York yeah. Post is quite something to mm. behold with that sort of petulant face. Tantrums the, and tiaras. Yes, which I thought was quite interesting. Yes, I'm not sure who's advising them. Well, apparently someone called Lee, who's very expensive. Lee? Yeah. No. Lee's not doing a very good job. <laughs> or is she, he or they? Well, I don't know. Are. Do you think she is advisable? That's the thing. I'm not, you know, the thing is, I'm not sure she, maybe she doesn't listen. I think it's Megan's way or the highway. It's Megan's it? way or the highway. Anyway. I would imagine. Um, but you're back. And, I'm back. I and did went to Carnival. Went to Carnival. Gosh, that's yes. very brave. It was quite, well, that's where I used to live. So I know yeah. the streets very well. Yes. yes, it was good fun. I took my son. Who's 12. Who's 12. He'd never seen anything like no, it No, must have been terrifying life. for him. Must have seen so many boobs and bottoms. It's lots of boobs, <laughs> lots of bottoms, lots of nos. Oh, yes, the can of the There's stuff. cans, yes. yes. I think it was Horrible. a baptism of fire for him. Yeah. But I do remember a hundred years ago, I had some friends of mine from Russia who turned up uh, for the first time ever in the West. This was 1992. Yeah. And they took the tube. It's called from, Gorbachev. Yes, with Gorbachev. Yeah, exactly, 1992. And they arrived in Notting Hill in those days where you could arrive on the tube and with their suitcases and went straight up into the carnival. And they genuinely thought that this is what the West was like. <laughs> We're just get a massive, massive party, party every day. Went, this West is very exciting. Oh, yes. <laughs> quite a lot of policemen, though. I mean, yes, there are quite a lot of policemen. This is not normally what happens every day in the West. So that's what their idea was, was of the West, was to arrive to Notting Hill Carnival. It must have been a permanent disappointment to them there. I know, exactly. It's like, oh. It's quite boring here. Where's yeah, the party? No, exactly. It's just like, just like everywhere else. That was very funny. Now, I'm, the trouble is, I think that Carnival's been overrun by gangs. I mean, there was a one poor guy got stabbed. Yes, I did. Killed. Yeah, I dead. Um, it was. It was. You could feel the tension rising. Yeah. I mean, if you go to the carnival, I I would always suggest you go early and leave early. Well, I think Sunday's the sort of children's day, isn't it? So, yeah, Monday so, is the adult Monday. Day. So I think yeah. the day to go is Sunday because I think there's not so much of that no. sort of nasty, aggressive stuff. But it has changed a lot. I mean, yeah. when there were proper metal detectors on all mm. the roads going into. Really? The, yes, huge, great metal detectors. Yeah. You had to walk through in order. Yeah. To go in, and also massive bollards, I presumably to stop people yeah. driving into the crowds and stuff. Yeah, it well, was my... very, very, very crowded. I think because it was the first time it's been yeah. happened for two years. My kids went, and Beatrice said she saw a couple of knives. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't, really... that, that... I didn't see that. No. But I think you need to go early and leave early. I think yeah. after dark, it's not a fun no. place to be. No, because of course everyone just gets off their heads, and then it just all deteriorates. I know, it's but really... I mean, it's weird because like festivals are just not fun anymore. I mean, I was talking to. B and her friends about it and she said look you know it's sort of 80% aggro and 20% fun I mean mm. Reading Festival and Leeds look, that looked horrible they were setting fire setting to, fire to people in tents I mean it's, I don't know what's gone wrong it's just, it's like 
Why? I don't. I Why don't would get you set it. fire to somebody else's no, tent? I don't. Particularly understand. if somebody's in there. Exactly. Really awful. Really weird. And the sort of gang culture, which seems to have infiltrated, infiltrated mm. all of these festivals, not just the Notting Hill mm. Carnival. Mm. You know, Leeds and Reading and all of these places. It's full of mm. the sort of. Normally, stuff. I just go for the food. To be honest. <laughs> yes, a bit of jerk chicken. A bit of jerk chicken, yes. which was guess how much I was charged. I don't know, fifty pounds. Thirty-three pounds <laughs> for two jerk chickens. That's outrageous. I think they saw me coming. That's outrageous. There was a very. You did post a very funny picture on your Instagram of a sign saying, "Lose three pounds." Three pounds. Then underneath it said, "Jump the queue." Five, five pounds. <laughs> I know. Five pounds to spend a penny. I know. That's quite a lot. It's a lot, yes. No, it's a lot. Anyway, coming up on today's show, has Pride turned its back on lesbians? Mm -hmm. Julie Biddle joins us to explain why the relationship between lesbians and Pride has become so troubled. And as the calendar turns to September and we begin to prepare for autumn, thank goodness, a bit of coolness, Mm -hmm. I hope, resident astrologer Teresa Chung joins us to tell us what the change in seasons has in store for us. But first, we're joined by Wendy Searle, who is currently planning a journey from the coast of Antarctica to the South Pole. Wendy, who is raising funds and awareness for women in sport, is aiming to become the fastest woman to make the journey on skis. And will do it alone and uh, unassisted. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know, I feel exhausted already. Wendy, yeah. I'm lost in admiration for you. I mean, I used to ski a lot as a youngster. Now I can't because my knees are rubbish. But I can only ever manage a morning before lunch. That was it. But you're going to do it for a whole long month. That does sound much more civilised, to be honest. <laughs> and, and before, but before I, uh, before I came up with this whole idea the first time in 2019-20 to go and ski to the South Pole, I had never skied before, so I hadn't really had what? skis on my feet until, you know, the, the, I had the idea back in sort of 2015-16, and at the time I had no money, a full-time job, four young children, and I couldn't ski. So, you know, it was, it was quite a sort of ambitious project, to say the least. <laughs> Mm. Uh, Wendy, are you one of those people who runs a lot or something? Yes. Are you very exercisey? Exercisey well, is that I, your I, word. <laughs> not a, no, sorry. <laughs> I was to, honestly, I wasn't anything. You know, I was very average at sport at school. I wasn't particularly mm. good at anything. I did race for life a few times, but when I was mm. younger, we went on lots of family holidays to you know, wet weeks in the Lake District and Dartmoor. And I, I really hated it. Mm. You know, I, I was sort of cold, wet and, and fed up a lot of the time. But I did do some running. I ran a few marathons and got into oh, fell running. Oh, so she is exercising. <laughs> yes, no, so you run, you are, are exercising. Yeah, yes. you're, you're more exercising than me and Imogen. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. But I, I wouldn't, have, so I wouldn't have ever classed myself as exercising <laughs> at all. It just, you know, it kind of happened quite <laughs> organically over a very long period of time. And so you're doing this to raise awareness for women in sport. What does that actually mean, the charity? What does it do? So that's one of the charities I'm raising money Mm. and awareness for. Mm. And they're um, they're a research-based charity that comes up with the evidence to support getting more women into sports. So there's been a huge drop-off for people around my age. I'm 45 today, actually. Um, So, you know, Thank you so much. So at about that age and, and before, mm. you know, we're so busy juggling things and careers and family and mm. often putting ourselves right at the bottom of that list. Mm. And so, mm. you know, the, the idea that, that women of, of my age, our age, do less than half an hour of exercise mm. a week. And, and people say, mm. oh, you know, just find some time. But it's not that easy. You don't just need time. No, you need the kit and you're, the brain space and the confidence uh, and yeah. all of those things. You're completely right. I think that's when women really stop exercising. I think it's also to do with going into the perimenopause. Mm. Suddenly you feel absolutely exhausted the whole time. And the idea of going to the gym is just another 
you know, another set of stuff that you've got to wash. And you've actually got to get <laughs> Yeah, there. exactly. It's and just more it's like, work, oh. isn't it, overall? <laughs> yeah. But I'm speaking as somebody who went to the gym yesterday and then had to come home and lie down for yes, an hour and yes. a half. <laughs> And about how, really, honestly, I. She did it. But she at least you did a fan. I did do it. Honestly, but honestly, I thought I was. I thought I was going to have. To, I had to sit down on the walk home. <laughs> Might need to have to go to hospital. I was exhausted. <laughs> um, and it, so, and I do do exercise three times a week. But it's I don't know. I did the intermediate class instead of the beginners yeah. class, which is always an error. So, but well, what's it like skiing for ten hours a day? Well, no, can I just ask a quick no, question? Shut up. Sorry, no, I'm asking. No, the question. Wendy. Wendy, is this just a secret plan to get away from your four children? Yes. That's what I wanted that, to ask. That has been put to me before, but they're they're a little bit older now, so I can't I can't oh. even use that as an excuse. But um, it's so you you build up to it. You don't just go out of the you know starting blocks and suddenly start skiing for ten hours a day. But it it is incredibly physically draining. But you train for that. You know, you're, I'm out dragging tires a lot in the in the Welsh countryside because oh. that's the closest you can get to. A sled, you know, in with mm. in the UK without it's any cross snow. It's cross-country skiing. I mean, when we say ski, uh, you're not doing whoosh, whoosh, swish, swish. No, you're just doing proper cross-country Lang skiing, aren't you? Whatever it's yes. Yeah, it it's almost like I would describe it as trudging on skis. Um, yes. and you know, you you have skins on your skis and specialist expedition skis, so you're yeah. you're kind of set up for pulling a heavy weight behind mm. you, and um, so you're right. not going particularly fast. Do you think you're going to be lonely doing this? What are you going to? How are you going to keep your your spirits up? I think is the expression. So it's yeah, it's really interesting actually because that was definitely something that I was worried about. That because so yeah. I went, I've done it once before in forty-two days, and this time I'm going to try and do it in thirty-eight days or less. So to, to um. break the the record, and I was worried about feeling very isolated in this kind of mm. expanse of brutal wilderness and, and mm. somewhere that can be quite risky but I can and honestly say that I although I was alone I never felt lonely I think you know you're so focused on sort of staying alive you know am mm. I warming am I too hot am I too cold what am I going to do mm. at the next break that you're not you're not kind of thinking about those bigger things so much, but definitely podcasts and audiobooks were, were, were what kept me sane. I was going to say, have you been listening to a podcast? Mm. And what do you do? So you so you trudge along for 10 hours and then, <laughs> sorry, I'm just trying Trudging along trudge, 10 hours, trudge, pulling trudge, your... Trudge, trudge, trudge. Yeah. And then you, what, you make a, a little tent, camp. What do, how does it work? What do you eat? I want to know details, please. Mm. So you you have the sled and in your sled is everything you can need, possibly need mm. for the for the journey. So the unassisted, unsupported is a sort of description of the fact that you've got everything with you and you don't accept mm. any outside help. You don't drop anything off. You can't even accept a cup of tea from another expeditioner. You know, that would that would sort of lose your your tickets unsupported. Mm. So um, mm. you have a tent in there. The thing that makes it heavy is the the food. So um, mm. you have food for as many days as you as you think mm. you need, and, and food mm. and fuel, and a few spares. And generally speaking, no no extra. You know, everything, mm. particularly for this journey, is all about saving weight. So I want to be lightweight as possible in everything. So I'm not going to mm. take. I'll probably take a spare pair of pants, but I'm not going to take any more than that. You know, for for the whole sort of 38 days. Mm. Um, oh dear. And <laughs> I take so more no than one no pair showers and. <laughs> No but every showers. time you add no something showers. in, not, no. every time you add something in, you're adding some weight, so it's making you slower. So it's a kind of you, you're having this balance of payoff. Wendy, two pairs always of in your mind. Honestly, I've two pairs of knickers, that's two... enough. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you're on your own, right? <laughs> <laughs> and what sort of food is it? Is it that sort of horrible dried food that you have put hot water into, or is it some nice packs of Kendall mint cake? 
A combination. So I wouldn't describe it as horrible. And actually, you know, okay. anything tastes good when you're hungry. And the, and the idea of having a hot meal, you know, at the end of a, a long day out in the mm. in the environment is is super comforting. So I, I actually really look forward to that. So I take some expedition food, sort of dried rations. And mm-hmm. then during the day, you don't stop to make hot food. You're eating sort of nuts and chocolate and mm. dried fruit and things just to mm. keep you going until you can collapse into the tent at the and end of the I day see, and get the cooker on. I see. I see that you're sponsored by Compede, who do those <laughs> plasters for blisters. Yes, it's <laughs> brilliant. Sponsorship. I, I, I love Compede. It's such an and so I definitely I. wouldn't go on any like even hiking for a day in in the mountains, the UK. I wouldn't I wouldn't go mm. without it. And it's a really nice mm. link up for me because it's something I would genuinely use. And they're they're yeah. really trying to mm. their new campaign is about embrace life, and it really is trying to push that idea that. You know, yeah. just because you haven't achieved your massive dream by the time you're 18 or 25, or just because, you know, you're going for a hike and not a massive adventure, you know, you're still getting yeah. out there and doing it. And I think mm. that's really, that's really powerful. Yeah, yeah. And what happens if you get, I mean, is there help if something goes yeah, wrong? True, yes. I just want to know that, that you can, I mean, like, do you have a sort of telephone? Yes, so I've got um, a lot of communications systems, yeah. so there's no 3G or anything, 4G or right. any kind of G down there. So sat phones and GPS trackers, which you wear all the right. time. So there's a logistics team watching your progress. And okay. um, mm. if you stop moving during the day, that would be quite unusual. So that would sort of flag that there might be an issue. You have to call right. in once every 24 hours to say, yes, I'm, you know, I'm fine. And, and um, this I've is not how many been miles I've done yes. Exactly. <laughs> well, no polar bears in Antarctica, no, only in, in, the, in the North Pole. So. There's nothing, I don't have to worry about about any kind of predators or any, you know, anything like that. So from that point of view, it's Mm. it's safe. But, um, you know, nothing's nothing's ever completely risk free. So you just Mm. have to be really careful about what kind of risk you're willing to accept. And Mm. definitely for me, particularly as a mother, there's no way that I was accept risk when it comes to if I had a medical issue, I am, you know, Mm. I'm I'm calling for pickup. But if it's just that you're having a hard day, you know, Mm. that's something Mm. totally different. So, you you know, you, you, you can get through that. And what's the worst sort of fear that you've got out there, do you think? Is it ravines or blizzards or what is it? I think probably the hardest thing is, first of all, getting out the tent in the morning. There's usually a lot of mm. crying. And, you know, when you when you come into camp at the end of the day, you've got this sort of sanctuary of your lovely, warm, cosy tent. And it mm. can be quite warm mm. in there and your lovely hot food. But in the morning, mm. all you've got to look forward to is another 10, 11 hours on skis. So yeah. that's that's it hard. But the the whiteout conditions where it's, you're basically mm. in a sort of foggy cloud and the only thing you can see is your skis and you're then mm. relying on your compass to, to navigate mm. for the entire day. And that, that can feel like a very, very long day. And then you would wake up the next morning, stick your head outside the tent to, to check the weather and it's total whiteout again. And that can go on for mm. sort of three, four days, and that can get... Can Quite really disorientating, feel... I should imagine. Yeah. Totally. And you wake so up you... Fun, you, you've just walked around in a circle yeah. and gone back to well, where you were Well, hopefully not that. Hopefully not. But you can actually... So it's uphill from sea level to, to the pole at just under 10,000 feet, but you could, I could actually persuade myself that I was going downhill because there's mm. no proprioception, there's no depth perception, there's nothing weird. to tell you you know, where mm. you are in, the, in space. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a weird experience, but that, yeah, yeah. that's hard going for days on end. And once you've done this, what are you going to do next? Oh, good point. I mean, we have established that you are very exercising. (laughs) (laughs) Trotters up in front of the telly doesn't seem to work. Well, when I did it the first time, I thought, you know, when you you do a big event or a marathon or, you know, that big thing, you think you're going to tick that box and hang up with trainers and that's going to be that. But actually it had the complete opposite and reverse effect that made me think, well, I've done that quite hard thing, then maybe I could do something a little bit harder. So Mm. I suspect when I get back from this journey, although I've said to myself, this is my last big trip, 
um, mm. this, you know, this other things. I'm trying to out think there. what could be harder than skiing. <laughs> I know, there really isn't, is there? I'm trying to think. I'm not sure my advanced Pilates class no. quite cuts that. Although it is quite tricky. <laughs> it's very tricky with the old, yeah, the bit of core work is mm. very hard. Yes. The glutes. But There'll no, be something. What is harder than that? I mean, no, she's um, going to row the Atlantic, Wendy. Oh, that's what you're going to do, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, but it's, well, that's an interesting one because I actually hate open water. It's challenge. Yeah, and I, I keep I, I keep toying with that idea, but I'm not I'm not sure. But there there's definitely something about the Arctic and the Arctic peoples that I find fascinating. I've spent okay. spent a little bit of time in Greenland, so I feel mm. like there's a definite draw to doing something in the north and also somewhere where there's a bit more. There, there are people, there are communities, mm. there are cultures to learn about and understand, mm. and that's that's definitely something that interests me. So you're going to live with the Inuit. Maybe, if they'd have mm. me. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Get, getting as far away from your four children as possible. Well done. Yes, we can see what yeah, your we plan know, is, We know Wendy. what you're really up to, Wendy. We've, we've clocked you. Anyway, well, thank you, Wendy. And we wish you enormous amounts yes, of luck. Yes, yeah. And do let us know. Do come back after you've done it and tell us what yes. it was like, yes. please. And show us your Absolutely. blisters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was Wendy Sal, whose world record attempt at solo travel to the South Pole kicks off in December. Gosh. From contraception to treating cystitis to menopausal changes, women's health is something you should keep an eye on. Boots offer an online doctor service which can help with that. You don't need an appointment. You can just head to the website and they'll give you advice and access to prescription treatment if that's appropriate for you. If you want more information, you can visit boots.com slash online doctor. Access to treatment is subject to an online consultation with a clinician to assess suitability. Subject availability, charge supply. In a new article for Female, Julie Bindle writes that lesbians have become marginalised and invisible at Pride, so much so that some feel they no longer have a place there. Julie Bindle joins us now. Hi, Julie. Hello there. I find this topic quite fascinating Mm. because I was talking to my daughter who's 19 and who's kind of on top of all the latest trends on the Mm. internet. And she was telling me that apparently lesbians are considered trans-exclusionary now in certain sectors of the TikTok and the Twitter because apparently you can be a lesbian if you are... Oh, it's It's very confusing. But basically, you can be a lesbian if you're a trans man attracted to a trans woman and... If you're just a, a woman attracted to another woman, then that's exclusionary. Is that even possible, Judy? Okay, so the issue about being lesbian or gay is that we are same-sex attracted. Mm, and what yeah. the new trans activists will have us believe is that we are same-gender attracted. Now, this is absolutely nonsense, because mm. I'm not going to be sexually attracted to a man who dresses in what he thinks is... Uh, feminine attire, who has a yes. penis, a beard, and an Adam's apple. Oh, my goodness, to. no. So it's utterly ludicrous. No, because, Julie, if... you are a lesbian. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, that's right. And actually, as, as a very funny comedian said one time, it's not that I don't like penises, I just don't like them on men. Now, obviously, <laughs> you know, I don't like them at all. And it's no offence to the male listeners, but we all have our shtick. And Mm, so in the same way that gay men aren't going to be sexually attracted to women that are self-identified as trans men because Mm. they have vaginas, you know, lesbians are not attracted to a gender. We are attracted Mm. to a sex. Or maybe even a person. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is exactly <laughs> right. I mean, I, mean, I haven't know. been on the dating scene for a long, long time. Yes. Um, you know, so, and, and I've never been on the dating scene since we got the internet because I've been with mm. my partner for 35 years. So actually what, you know, really strikes me as absolutely horrendous is when younger lesbians or single lesbians of any age tell me that when they go on to some online dating site that mm. they are constantly bombarded with photographs of men who identify what? as lesbians yeah. and what? and I know one woman one friend of mine who was kicked off a dating site for saying she wants female only it's transphobic, uh, women to, to be uh, sent yeah. her in her direction on this site. But whatever happened to live and let live? I don't understand why everyone is foisting their sexual opinions on other people. That just seems very weird. To be honest, I think it's plain old misogyny in right. a different guise. So in yeah. the sort of bad old days of the 1970s when, you know, we had the beginning of the women's liberation movement in this country, we didn't have legislation to protect us at all. Lesbians were having mm. children removed and given to you know, violent men that they'd left. And, mm. you know, we could be sacked from our jobs, kicked out of our home and denied housing because we were lesbians. And those right. of us that have fought in the gay and lesbian liberation movement overturned all of that. And we now mm. have legislation that protects us in theory. Mm. Mm. But what happens today is there are still men on the left and the right, many gay men, who still hate women and hate lesbians. How dare mm. we sexually reject them? And they take mm. it as a personal slight. And they're able now to accuse us of being turf, trans-exclusionary <laughs> radical feminist. Mm. And really what they want to say to us is a word so much ruder that I would never say on air. Well, I mean, Imogen and I were saying earlier that the sort of stereotyping of lesbians versus gays is just... It's just know, so bizarre. It's so bizarre because to be gay means to be sort of jolly fun and, fun and cool and witty and, and, and you know, well-dressed. Oh, lesbian a, just carries such a sort of different connotation. Yeah, and I think that, lesbians yes. get sort of t terrible press in a sort of weird way. Lesbians are sort of dur and boring, and, yeah. whereas gay men are marvellous. Fabulous, you know, yeah. they're and Elton John. Yes. And, and it seems even the sort of representation on television yeah. is that there are many more gay men on television than there are gay women. It does seem that it's very difficult yeah. if you're a lesbian to fight for your own space or but, airtime or anything. And also, Julie, what you say about them sort of it being misogynistic, it's that sort of sense that the men just can't accept that a woman would reject them mm. totally. That's, that's absolutely right. And we have the double bind of, as well as anti-lesbian prejudice, of mm. sexism. And of course, mm. for many gay men, they have much more freedom. And even if they're in the closet, if they're married to women to go mm. off and have sexual encounters with men, mm. to live their lives freely, pretty much. Whereas lesbians mm. have always been railroaded into marriage to men, children, mm. and kind of compulsory heterosexuality. It's almost like they're almost forced to apologise for being lesbians. I always remember years ago, right, when I lived in Stoke Newington, which is full of lesbians. Oh, yes. I don't know. Well, it was then anyway. I don't know if it is, it is now, but yes. it was sort of lesbian central. And I had this very lovely friend who was also a masseuse and she used to come around to my house and give me a massage and I remember the first time she came she said before we do anything I just want you to know that I'm a lesbian but that doesn't change my professionalism what and it was like she had to oh, apologize and, you know, no. this, it was that, and I felt really sort of sorry for her because mm. I didn't, it didn't well it didn't occur to me that yeah. she would you know 
And that was 35 years ago. And it seems that nothing has changed. Mm. But I suppose what has changed is that you don't feel part of that group world anymore. anymore. You've sort of yes. lost your... So tell me about Get the L Out, which I rather enjoy as a good pun. Yes, I mean, they, they're a group of feminists, of lesbian campaigners, that have seen the way that the word lesbian has become a dirty word again, thanks to trans activists and the many misogynistic gay men that support trans activism, where we are supposed to be referring to ourselves as queer or non-binary or even trans men, because lesbian is is so last mm. season, I suppose they would say. Mm. And actually, I hear from, from women, young women, all the time who say, I'm a lesbian, but in my university feminist society or LGBTQQI2 spirit plus group, I feel really under pressure to denounce transphobia, to um, see trans men and trans-identified you know, women and non-binary people as gods and goddesses because they are, of course, the new cool identity and that lesbians mm. are automatically, as you said earlier, accused of being anti-trans for the mm. simple reason that we are hanging on for grim, you know, we're desperately hanging on to the term lesbian because it took us decades to mm. change it from a deeply stigmatised word and term to mm. something that we can be proud of. And that mm. is something that really rubs many men up the wrong way. Particularly men in that kind of trans community mm. who, yeah. I just think, I think it's just really insulting that mm. you would tell anybody who they can and can't be attracted mm. to. It's very bizarre. What would it yes. mean to the lesbian community if they detached themselves from the LGBT? It's a good question because we never asked to be in there in the first place. Mm. We really didn't. There were some lesbians, usually those that call themselves gay women, that mm. did always think that gay men... Uh, you know, were kind of a higher being than themselves. You know, we, we do internalise our own oppression as women. We're mm. raised to think that we're inferior. And that mm. can happen within the lesbian and gay movement as well. And so there were always some lesbians that thought that gay men were the business and the bee's knees and they should really hang around with them and get a bit of kudos. And then mm. there were those of us that had gay men as friends, of course. We had some straight mm. men as friends. We loved our dads and our brothers if we were lucky mm. enough to have good dads and brothers. But we realised that for lesbians, we had absolutely nothing in common with gay men at all, apart from mm. the fact that we were same-sex attracted. Mm. And, you know, gay men have an entirely different culture and social life. Well, they life. do. They have a really vibrant and very out-there culture, whereas I always think of lesbians as just, you know, women who just quite like to get on with their lives. Quietly, quietly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, we're, we're a good, we're a good laugh, and, and we all we, we have to be we have to be quite courageous to be lesbians and to be out as lesbians. Yeah, true. You just have to look at Martina Navratilova, who was out yeah. as a lesbian in 1981, lost all of her sponsorship, abuse hurled at her on the tennis court, uh, especially when she was playing with you know the more stereotypically feminine players mm. and she held firm she stood mm. her ground and look at mm. her now she's a great campaigner a great mm. advocate for the rights of lesbians and for women mm. everywhere so you have mm. to be tenacious you have to be brave and you have to have a little bit of kind of to hell with you spirit about you because we are attacked from all sides but we didn't ever mm. want to be in the rainbow coalition of no, furries right. and adult nappy wearers and gay men and queers <laughs> and the only people that aren't in it it would seem now is the the bloke in Essex who washes his car on a Sunday yeah. morning and plays well, no, bowls Imogen on and I night. aren't allowed in it no we're not allowed so do you envisage a sort of lesbian only group then 
do you think? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I think that the tide has turned now mm. where lesbians have realised that we have been vilified for, I mean, you know, in my situation, since 2004 mm. by the trans mm. uh, yeah. activists, the trans Taliban, because that's when I was first, you know, under the radar of having written mm. about it critically, not mm. against trans people, against trans ideology yeah. that, that would have it that, you know, so-called trans healthcare is slicing off the healthy breasts of young women who just want oh, to be yeah. accepted as lesbians. So, exactly, so, yeah. so we've, we've had enough. We've had enough. And I think we're not going to be separatists. We're not going to go off and build women's island and ignore men. We're going to remain friends and colleagues with men. But we need our own rights. We need our own movement. Yeah. I agree. I quite like to reclaim the term turf, actually. Would you? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, I, I very nearly, it's like, Imogen and I, when, when the term Karen came out, you know, oh, yes. to, to basically denote oh. a sort of, which I think is very misogynistic, the term Karen. It is. Imogen and I got ourselves necklaces that said Karen, Karen. and yeah. we wore them. <laughs> oh, that's, I love that. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Because who were they calling Karen? I mean, apart from the fact that, you know, they, the, the, the Karen lovers would, um, the, the, those that love the slur Karen, rather, mm. would have it that you can't uh, criticise it as a slur because Black Lives Matter came up with the term to point out that some white middle-aged women are racist. Well, that's not that at all because I've seen black women be called Karen. Um, yeah. There is no such, there, is, there is not a Karen It just means a bossy middle-aged woman, It just it? means a bossy middle-aged woman who'd quite like, you know, some service, please, at the counter, if you don't yeah, mind. Exactly. <laughs> or some, someone to actually you know, pick up the rubbish in the street. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pick Troublesome up their dog women. poos. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Troublesome women. Yes. Exactly. That's exactly. the phrase. Yes. So I think you know. I feel. I feel that maybe I should get myself a turf necklace just yes, for a laugh. I think you should. Yeah. It's a very good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I might get a turf T-shirt. There you go. <laughs> no, it's yeah. Very, and I'm going I, to start I, wearing I, a badge. I'm going to start wearing a badge that good. tells the world I'm That's, a lesbian, just in case there's somebody that doesn't know yet. <laughs> That was Julie Bindle, whose article you can read in Female this week. You're listening to the Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces, and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag, or Imogen at Imogen EJ. We are joined now by our resident astrologer and spiritualist, Teresa Chung, who is on hand to tell us what the change of seasons will mean for us as we prepare for autumn. I'm desperate to know about this because, obviously, it's back to school. And so we need a back-to-school astrology report. Yes, sharpen your pencils. Ter yes, <laughs> going. Get, <laughs> Teresa, what's going to happen this autumn? When, can it get any worse? Can it get question. any worse is what we want mm. to know. Nothing's worse. You see, when things go, you know, we feel that they're going wrong or in crisis, it's actually an opportunity for growth. Crisis is yes. always an opportunity for growth. So if, if you see that, nothing is worse. Nothing is good. Nothing is bad. Everything's an opportunity to learn and grow. And we're entering now into Virgo season, which is all about efficiency, resetting, organization, actually quite a calm and tranquil time, really, to take mm. advantage of it. However, watch out in the second week of September for our beloved, I know you love this, you too, Mercury retrograde which is from September the 10th or 9th. So yeah. back up your work, watch for typos, and also watch for people in your life that overpromise things and don't deliver. Because that's what Mercury retrograde is all about. It's all about illusion, you know, misunderstanding. So that's really important to do. But mm. as we move through September, 
focus on efficiency, organization, you know, but then as the leaves start changing color around the end of September, it's also a time for us to sort of reset and find common ground and, you know, enter beautiful harmonious Libra where there's a, a sense of real achievement and accomplishment. And, you know, it's not going to be too bad, you know. Mm. <laughs> we're also going to the autumn equinox, which is the balance of light and dark. You know, mm-hmm. and all our life we're trying to strive to get balance and mm-hmm. peace and harmony. So, you know, just, just go with the flow right now, but watch for Mercury retrograde. I always get across about Mercury retrograde because astrologers is always bang on about it. It's like, well, there's nothing I can do about no, it. No, so, it also seems to happen all the time. It's always <laughs> Mercury retrograde. How, how, how many retrogrades are I mean, there? What is a Mercury year? doing? Does it oh, ever actually know. go? Does it ever go <laughs> forward? They are Rubbish planet. They, they encourage us. <laughs> they encourage us to monitor our thoughts and to right. monitor our words and to monitor the, thought, the words, and, words and actions of others as well. And right. again, just like with dream decoding, to look beneath the surface and to reflect and think deeply. I mean, that's all these divination tools. All they really want us to do is to really look deeper, reflect. And if you do that, you can navigate any astrological drama mm. going up there in the sky or anything, really. And mm. if you have that inner knowledge and self-awareness and all these tools are teaching us how to know ourselves better, because when you do know yourself really well, you can handle anything that life throws at you because you yes, see it as a learning opportunity. True. On the September the 16th, sparks in relationships, you know, that's going to be a, a good day, you know, quite a passionate day. Ooh, Again, watch out for disagreement. Get on the Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Get on the Tinder through the interweb, yeah. <laughs> I'll the book a room for you and me, Imogen. Excellent. Let's do that. <laughs> oh, sorry. The Nova Tower's looking lovely. Listen, autumn is the most mellow and beautiful I love season. autumn. It's so rich. Yeah. It's, I love it's, it. Also, it's, it's so less hot than summer. Yes, that's so true. Do watch out because we have a Pisces full moon coming and with Pisces, expect the unexpected as well. Right, with dreamy thoughts and, and, and everything. But again, going back to that self-knowledge and self-awareness, which is what astrology is all about, it's simply tools to understand your personality pitfalls and potentials. It's interesting that um, Mercury retrograde is September the 9th, and that's when we get the new Prime Minister. Oh, don't say Well, it's that. in about three days after we get the new Prime Minister. Well, mistrust, I think, I, I suspect. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah. Um, yes. You know, but she's kind of an efficient soul, isn't it? It might be, you know, we'll see. But, you know, as we're in Virgo now, because people listening, it's right now, we're we're right in Virgo. So the message of Virgo is efficiency and also that life actually isn't about the destination. It's about the journey. This sounds cliche, but it really is. The fulfillment is in the now and in the doing and in the journey. And yes, the end goal matters. But if you pin your happiness on the end goal, goal and result you are actually dooming yourself to unhappiness because you need to find it in the destination not the arrival and that was Teresa Chung whose book The Sensitive Soul Life Strategies for Thriving in an Overwhelming World is out now if you enjoy listening to The Half Hour why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcast videos opinion pieces and more if you want to get in touch tweet us at mailplus me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ You have been listening to the Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 